Shalom Aleichem, Shavua Tov, to all of you listeners of this great station, station of Torah, Musar, Halakha, Gemara, and of course religious music. This is Rabbi Elbaz from SLC. I'm going to be talking about the parasha we read yesterday, Parashat Shemot. On Pesach, when we're sitting around the table, our children, the whole family, we read the Haggadah. The Haggadah talks mostly about Isiat Mitzrayim, which is in this parasha and next parasha. And the Mitzvah is not only to read the Haggadah, but to try to expound on it as much as possible. The more you talk about it, the more praised you are. So here's a question that I would like you to uh, expound on and teach to your children this coming Pesach. Well, we know that there were 10 makot, 10 plagues, and the plagues were spaced in a certain fashion, a certain order. One week, we have a plague, let's sit down. Three weeks, rest. And then, again, one week, sefardeah, three weeks, rest, and so on and so forth, until the, all the ten makot have been done. Question is, why did Hashem have to bring ten of them? Hashem got to bring one of them. And leave it longer, not one week, a month, month and a half, two months, and I, that's it. And after two months, they, could, they won't be able to take it. And they'll just have to tell the Ebenezer, get out. Take an example. Take Barat, for example. Hail. Hail, you had ice, you had the boulders, you, uh, you had the extremely cold. No one can possibly walk outside. And if you walk outside, then you, uh, it's, uh, it's a danger to your life. They can't be cooped up in the house for two months. Can't go outside the grocery store to buy anything. Cannot take your carriage to go somewhere. The farmer cannot work in his land. Obviously, after uh, two months or so, they're going to leave. Please go, leave. But Hashem insisted on having 10. What's the idea behind it? Now, of course, uh, we know that Hashem promised uh, Abraham Avinu that goy asher yavodu dan anuchi. Said, yeah, they're going to be the Egyptians. Uh, they're going to be uh, whatever nation it is. They're going to be enslaving uh, your descendants, your offspring, and they they go. They, but it, in this particular case, they went beyond the call of duty. Okay, it's one thing to be slaves, but it's another thing when Mary Ruth him, they embittered their lives, backbreaking work, throwing the children to the Nile River. This was not in the plan. So that's why Hashem had to punish them. But the idea of punishment, if the purpose is to let the Bnei Israel go, then Hashem could have brought only one. But there is another purpose, and it's very, very important. And that is, Hashem wanted to teach 
the Bnei Israel a lesson in Emunah. In other words, this Makot were not just to punish, but also to teach a lesson to the Bnei Israel. After all, the main reason for Yisiat Misayim is for the Bnei Israel to go to Hasinai and accept the Torah. That's the main thing. But for that, the Bnei Israel have to understand that Hashem is the all-powerful, the supreme power. The Bori Olam has control over every part of the world. The waters, the earth, the heavens, the creatures of the world, the human beings, life and death. This way the Bnei Israel will build up their emunah. Not 70%, not 90%, but 100%. Now let me give you an example. There's a story of a mother, who this is a you know, long time ago, years back, and she brought her child to, to the yeshiva, and she tells the, the rabbi over there, listen, I know you do hit the kids when they're not uh, you know, behaving well, but my son is very delicate, and uh, please, I don't want you to hit him. Of course, nowadays, such things don't happen anymore. A rabbi who hits a kid, you know, he, <laughs> he may end up with a lawsuit, maybe even a jail sentence, who knows. But in those days, it was acceptable. So the rabbi says to the mother, well, what, what if he's unruly? What, what do I do? He said, oh, very simple. Let him sit. Give him a seat right next to someone, to another child that's really rebellious. And when the other child uh, makes trouble, you're going to be hitting him. My son will see what's happening. He will learn his lesson, and he'll be quiet. This is exactly what happened there. Akadosh Baruch Hu brought all these, these plagues on the Egyptians. The Bnei Israel were right there in a separate area, but they saw what was going on, and they learned the lesson. This is what we say, Ha'el Ha'ose Lanu Nisim Unkama Befaro. What does that mean? Ha'oseh lanu. It should say, Why lanu? What does lanu mean? It's the, it's the following. It means the following. Baruch did the nisim for us. We should learn a lesson. Then the vengeance, the punishment was on paro. So that's why Hashem is showing the ten. Why? How? Well, we see, first was Dam. Dam, Hashem wants to show that he controls the rivers and all the waters, the oceans. He can control them. He can make, put blood into them. He can do whatever he wants. Sephardim, Hashem can control the creatures inside the rivers, inside the waters. Kinim, Hashem can control the earth commands the earth to produce lice, and it did. Arov, that is the, the, the wild animals, Hashem can control them. Normally wild animals stay in their forest. 
But Hashem said, go out of your forest, go inside the homes of the Egyptians, and they did. They were control over domesticated animals. It was, it was an epidemic over cows, camels, donkeys, whatever, everything. Shehin, control over human being. It's a boils that Hashem put in. It can, it can make the people sick or he can heal them. Barat, control over the weather. Arve, control the creatures of the sky. And Hoshech, Hashem can control the sun and the moon that give out the light. There's no light. There's darkness. Finally, Makat Bechorot, Hashem can control life and death. Now, this is the idea behind the ten. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to demonstrate to the Bnei Israel that he is the all-powerful. He can do, he can control everything. He can do whatever he wants. And therefore, now that you see that I can, I'm the, the superpower, I'm the one that's going to give you this, the Torah. Now, the one thing that we don't realize is that not only Hashem has performed miracles for our ancestors in the past, but you think about it. Akadosh always, always performs miracles for us. The problem is we don't realize it. In 1991, during the Gulf War, Imashimo Saddam Hussein he launched 39 Scud missiles. Do you know what a Scud missile is? This weighs about 12,000 pounds. It's a monster. If it falls on a building, even if it does not explode, it will probably destroy the building. But imagine after the explosion where it could happen. Yet, only two people were killed. After all 39 Two people were killed. In 2014, that was only a year and a half ago, we had a war with Hamas. Hamas, in Mashimam, they launched over 2,000 rockets. And people don't realize that, according to the IDF report, only 25% were intercepted by the Iron Dome. Uh, of course, this is a a beautiful uh, piece of equipment, uh, and and uh, and the thing is, the Iron Dome had the power to uh, locate the rocket immediately as it's launched, and it calculates approximately where it's going to land, and if it's landing in an isolated area, it doesn't bother with it. But still. Maybe 500, 600, who knows that, uh, what in the uh, in populated area. And what happened? Akadosh Baruch Hu made a miracle. Nothing happened. Well, very little damage anyway. Insignificant. There's another thing which is even more important. Today, yesterday, tomorrow, and every day, look, 
there is one Jewish nation, only one Jewish state, Eretz Israel. There are 22 Arab nations. Eretz Israel has maybe six and a half million Jews. The Arab nations maybe 500 million, who knows, maybe more. If, God forbid, all these nations get together and unite, and God forbid, start fighting with Israel, I don't want to talk about what the outcome will be. But what does Hashem do? He creates quarrels between them, strife, hatred, enmity amongst all of them. As we see, Saudi Arabia fights Yemen, Syria fights in the civil war and fights ISIS and Al-Qaeda. Iraq is fighting ISIS. Libya has a civil war. Western powers are pounding ISIS. That's what Hashem does. This is a Nesbaat small. The fact that Israel itself is Baruch Hashem, is there thriving and prospering. It's been there, Baruch Hashem, already almost 70 years. And Be'ezat Hashem, until our Mashiach will come. That in itself is a nest every single day. You know, I read a report on, on the internet, something very interesting. This is a, a German journalist. Not a Jew, he's a guy. And somehow he succeeded in being invited by ISIS. And he was interviewing them. And part of the interview, these uh, people, or officers from ISIS were saying to him, we're not afraid of the Americans. We're not afraid of the Russians. We're not afraid of the French or the British. But we're afraid of Israel. Now, this is what they said privately. Of course, publicly, they would say, oh, we're going to hit Israel, pa, 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 but forget it. This is what they said privately. They're afraid. Why? The Pasuk says so. Vera'u kol ameha aretz. And all the nations of the world will see, Kishem Hashem Nikra Alecha, that the name of Akadosh Baruch Hu is on, on us, and they're going to fear you. Im Tishma Bekol Hashem, if we follow the, uh, the, uh, print, the, the laws and the mitzvot of Akadosh Baruch Hu, don't worry, they're going to fear you. Well, quite interesting. There is one more pasuk I want to discuss. And that is by Daber Hashem El Moshe Velaharon. Hashem spoke to Moshe and Aaron. He commanded them, El Bene Israel, in other words, to talk to the Bene Israel and to Paro Melech Mitzrayim. For what? What's the talk about? Lehotzi et Bene Israel Me'eris Mitzrayim. To take the Bnei Israel out of Egypt. Now I can understand. Talk to Paron, who's the king, to let them out. So what's there to talk to the Bnei Israel to let them out? What what is the talk about? Well, I mean, you would assume. I mean, Bnei Israel they want to go out. Well, in order to understand this, 
I would like to bring something in uh, uh, the uh, pasuk in Parashat Mishpatim. Parashat Mishpatim, it says, Ve'ele ha-mishpatim asher tasim lifnehem. These are the statutes that Moshe Rabbeinu, you should put in front of them. And when you buy a Jewish slave, six years is going to work, the seventh year is going to be free. Now, what do Mishpatim mean? Mishpatim means statutes, things that have to do between man and his fellow man. It means laws that have to do with damages, Laws have to do with uh, watching, Shomer Hinam, Shomer Sakhar, and so on. Laws of giving loans. Why start with Eved Evri? Eliyah Mishpatim, right away, Kitikne Eved Evri. Why that first? Talk about other things. That should be maybe the last to talk about. In order to understand this perfectly well, let me also bring the Haftarah of Parashat Mishpatim. What, hap- what happened in the, in the Haftarah? The Haftarah, this is, of course, uh, during Irmiyahu Anavi. There was a king, Sitkiyahu. He took all the uh, landowners, you know, the, the, the nobles, the, the, the powerful people, the wealthy men who had plenty of slaves, and they signed a contract. They signed like a pact that after six years, they will let the slaves go free, as the Torah says. They all signed. But then, a little bit later, they, rene- they, they changed their mind. They reneged on the, uh, on, on, on the contract. They went ahead and grabbed them back and again put them to slavery again. Then Vahi Devar Hashem El Yirmiyahu. And Hashem came to Yirmiyahu. And he spoke, he says, This is what Hashem said. Anuchi karati berit et abotechem. Biyom osi'i otam me'eris misraim. I had a berit, a covenant, with your forefathers, when they came out of Egypt, just when they were about, just when they were coming out of Egypt, and what's the pact that the Hashem? That six years they shall work, the seventh year they shall be sent free. In other words, the laws of slavery were put in front of the Bnei Israel that day, just before they were going out of Egypt. But it says, Karati Berit. I actually had a pact with them. Where do we see any pact? What is it? What does it say in the Torah? That HaKadosh Baruch had a pact with them to observe the laws of Jewish slavery. So, Hakamim say that it comes from this Pasuk that we just mentioned before. And the Pasuk said what? He commanded to go to the Bnei Israel and tell them 
about the laws of slavery. He told Moshe and Aaron, before you go to Siparon, you got to make a stop with the Bnei Israel and tell them, if you accept the laws of freeing slaves, then you can go out. Otherwise, no geula, no redemption. It was conditional upon that. And they accepted it. They did accept it. That's why the pasuk. Now, the question comes, why did, uh, did it have to be right there and then? I mean, why couldn't Hashem uh, uh, tell them about these uh, laws of slavery later on? After all, in the desert for 40 years, there was no slavery involved there at all. After they went into Eretz Israel, that's when they had the rich people and the poor people and someone in a chasve shalom, he had to go and he, he, he stole something and then he, he, he couldn't pay for it. So he, uh, he sells himself and uh, as a slave and he pays for that. That's fine, but that's, much, that's when it was applicable. Why did Hashem tell Moshe and I don't do it now? So they bring a little uh, a little anecdote from Rav Chaim Ozer Grudzinski, Allah Shalom. Uh, I know how many of you heard Rav Chaim Ozer Grudzinski. I mean, uh, it was a tremendous Tamit Hakam, big giant in Torah, Gaon Adir. And in, in his time, there was a widow, Almana, that was to be thrown out. Of her uh, of her uh, uh, apartment because she couldn't pay the rent, and the owner came and closed her, the heat, closed the chimney, couldn't do anything, keep her cold. This way she'll leave. Uh, he couldn't, I mean, take her physically out, but he did something so she should move. She was in the cold, and when Chaim heard about that, he went himself to collect for this almana. Collect money so that she should have a place to stay. And when she came, when and when he he went to this uh, very wealthy um, uh, uh, Jew who had a, a beautiful home, of course, uh, almost like a palace, and it was a very cold, snowy day. The host was sitting in his sofa, reading a newspaper in a warm atmosphere there with his nice fireplace, everything's fine. And Rab Chaim knocks at the door. He op- the host comes, opens the door, and he almost faints. Rab Chaim himself came to see him. Oh, you know, that, that was the big thing. So he said, please come in. But Rab Chaim starts talking to him, talking, you know, couple of minutes talking. He didn't go in right away. And so, but then the cold air was coming in, you know. And uh, uh, the host started to shiver from the cold. Please, please come in, please. Yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, you know, I have, you know, my, my shoes are, are dirty. The snow on them. It, you know, no, come in anyway. He keeps talking. After, a couple, after about 10 minutes, then he walks in. And he tells him why he's there to collect for the Almana. But then he says, you know why? 
I didn't come in right away. I wanted you to feel what it is to be cold. When you feel it yourself, then you understand what cold is. And of course, he gave him a, a very, very nice donation. This is why Hashem wanted the Bnei Israel to be told about slavery right there and then. When they felt it, they were slaves for 210 years. They know what slavery is about. They know what it is to work hard from morning to night. And by mother with Hayyim, they know what it is. Now is the time to tell them. They feel 40 years later, they forget all. Everything's been forgotten. A new generation, the one that's going to remember it. That's why they told him right there and then. And it's a question of kindness toward the other. You know, uh, 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 you know that uh, when Hillel, uh, the guy came over to him and says to him, I want you to teach me the Torah while I'm standing on one foot. What do you say to him? Love your neighbor like yourself. Be kind. Actually, the laws of slavery were intended to be kind to the other Jew. Now you say, well, why have slaves at all? Because it was something that was practiced in the nations all around them. Once it's something is practiced all over, they're going to take it all. They're just going to learn from them. That's nature. So rather than suppress it completely, Hashem said, I'm going to regulate it. This is, a, this is the way Hashem works. The Rambam says about the Hame, about the, uh, the uh, uh, sacrifices, the Korbanot. Why the Korbanot altogether? Because the Rambam knows. He says, the Bnei Israel at the time, they saw all the nations around them they were bringing sacrifices to their gods. So Hashem said, you know, instead, if I suppress it completely, it's not gonna, it's gonna be a problem. They're gonna learn from them to do the wrong thing. Turn Hasbi Shalom to the other gods. So Hashem, you know what? You know, bring Zebahim, but bring them to me. That's the way the Ramam holds. Same thing over here. Hashem wants to regulate certain things. And of course, as the Gemara, it says, you know, a, a person that uh, brings in Ebed Evri, he's bringing an Adon, he's bringing a master, and so forth and so forth. So kindness, chesed, and recognizing something, and be kind to the other, is a very important step. And we see this, uh, I mean, look, Moshe Rabbeinu Alav Shalom. he did not go to uh, for the first uh, Dam Sephardia. He didn't go to hit him. Why? Why didn't he go? He gave Aharon to do those things. Because he somehow recognized that the Nile River, the Nile River, did a favor to him. As a baby, when he was in the river, the water could have toppled the box 
and God forbid he would be drowned. But no, it didn't. It was still there. So in recognition to that, he was not going to hit the river. He was not going to bring out Sephardim from the river. This is a kind of hesed, kind of recognition, gratefulness. You would say, but what does the river know? I mean, the river is water. I mean, what does the river know about uh, gratefulness? This and that? But the point is not the river. The point is us. We, when we see these kind of things happening, we learn a lesson for ourselves. The Torah is to teach us how to behave. To do the mitzvot, to follow the behavior of our ancestors, our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov. That's what the whole Bereshit is about. What's the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov? That's to teach us to do, to behave like them. And this is how we should always behave with our friends, our family, our children, our colleagues, and our fellow men, always with kindness and recognition of Hesed that if they're doing us a, a favor, we should recognize that. And also try to do as much Hesed as possible. Rabbutai, I just want to remind you again about this beautiful station and please make an effort. Try to help out as much as you can. Every contribution helps. And this station must go on because the, the hesed that it does and the teaching that it does, both children and adults, is immeasurable. It cannot measure it. It's, 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 it's infinite. And it has to continue. At the same time, I just want to mention again that we have uh, renovated our social hall. It's something really stunning. And you can come now, make reservations for weddings, bar mitzvah, brit uh, milah, engagement parties. We also installed the LED light, the LED the LED lights, which really make the, uh, uh, the, the party even more beautiful. Uh, so if you have a simha, please contact us. We'll be very happy to accommodate you. Shavua Tov. Shalom Aleichem. School of Misbot.